We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for April 4th, 2010. We're going to be doing another current event um, in time Bible type of study today as we usually do. And uh, before we get into that, I just want to uh, bring up a prayer request we have for um, the people that I had mentioned last week, Pat and Trudy up in Virginia. Um, they have a court date with... Uh, regarding trying to uh, remove Ed Watson off their property on the 8th at 9 a.m. So it's the 8th, 9 a.m. Eastern. This is coming up. This is in, uh, I guess it's Thursday at 9 a.m. So I, I would ask that you'd be in uh, prayer about that. Uh, um, evidently, Ed will not leave. And um, threatening to sue him. And, you know, you do the math. <laughs> He's on their property and he won't leave. So, um, Ed put out a teaching on me this week and uh, entitled it uh, Scott Johnson, Faithful Son of Satan. And before God and before you, my listeners, I will say, and, and, I, and I say this before the Lord Jesus Christ, if I am who he portrays me to be in that teaching, may the Lord Jesus Christ strike me dead where I stand or where I sit. I don't say that lightly. This man has instilled such fear in those that he has traumatized that there's very few people that will come forward at this point. There's a laundry list of people that he has demonized. And literally every single person that I know that was friends with him, or that befriended him, or that he invited to Virginia, every single one of these people, without exception now, have all been demonized by Ed Watson. We're all Satan's seed as far as he's concerned. Isn't that funny? That people that he called a brother, people that he said were wonderful, people that he invited up to Virginia, now they're all devils. And evidently, according to Ed, we just had it out for him to begin with. We had it out for him from the beginning. And we plotted, evidently, to do whatever he feels as though he suffered, even though the people that have been exposed to this man have been the one that suffered. Traumatized. To the point where most of them don't even want to talk about what's, what's went on. Isn't that kind of funny? Derek Dreamer put up a teaching this week about that, and he was a first-hand witness of what went on up in Virginia. And... Um, Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up, and uh, I, I pray you'd be in much prayer about that. I pray the Lord would vindicate, and that the truth truly would come out, regarding this whole matter. Um, although it's already come out, I've already done a teaching, I've got, you know, I, I believe at this point it's approaching about 20 plus witnesses of what's went on. Uh, we've documented it, and um, I'm not going to make any apologies for it. And I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to, uh, you know, back down regarding this this matter. I feel as though it's my obligation to defend those that have been persecuted and traumatized and betrayed by this man. the The bottom line remains is that most of them were my listeners before they ever knew about him. So I feel a certain obligation from a biblical standpoint to defend them. And I withheld judgment until the very last possible moment 
regarding Ed Watson. I didn't even want to come out with this initially, but when I when all this stuff started happening up in Virginia, I had no choice. I had no choice. I was flooded with emails, phone calls from people, some of them I had never even heard from. And I had to make a choice. Either I could ignore everything they were telling me and ignore what Sam Adams, Pastor Sam Adams, told me. Or I could take heed and I could warn people. And as a watchman, it's especially my duty to warn people regarding people like him. He can go up there and speak all manner of evil about everyone, but as soon as anyone says anything about Ed Watson, he just goes off the deep end. This is the classic sign of an accuser. Because when they get the spotlight shined on them whatsoever, the first thing they start doing is pointing the finger back at their accusers. Why? Because they're trying to get this, they're desperately trying to get the spotlight off themselves onto their accusers. That's how they operate. I've, I've dealt with people like him time and time and time again. So, anyway, I just wanted to kind of go over that a little bit before we got started into the teaching. I'd ask that you be in, in uh, prayer about that. And uh, it's just a sign of the day and times we're living in. You know, betrayal and deceit and lies and treachery. And a lot of people, I have a lot of listeners email me and, and they've been betrayed by this person or that person or, or, or this or that. Or they've tried to bring out truth about something and all they've suffered is, is, is uh, they've been rendered evil for good. And it's, it's an earmark of the day and times we're living. Jesus Christ said, you know, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. The, the servant is not greater than the master. So we should expect this. The uh, first thing I'm going to get into today is from a teaching here. Uh, we're going to look at this quick commercial from our friends at Second Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. I entitled it Happy... Ishtar, Easter, commercial for your friends, from your friends at Second Baptist Church, Houston, Texas. I had a, a listener, he's a pastor, he, he told me about this, said I needed to check it out. And this is now, this is a church where every bunny's welcome. I just want to let you know that. Where you're some bunny if you go there. So, um, I'm going to just click into this little link here. Join the second family this Easter on one of our five locations. Bring your whole family and remember, every bunny's welcome. Well, isn't that special? What the commercial was is it showed the uh, this man dressing up in a bunny outfit being hauled through town, evidently Houston somewhere, um, in a uh, bunny suit, in a horse-drawn carriage, and then at the end, he pulls it off, I guess it's the pastor, and, and you heard what he said, where every bunny is welcome. And uh, this is the point where the church has degenerated into this, this uh, pagan freak show that we pretty much 
see as commonplace nowadays. Uh, you got Ishtar or Easter, which you have to determine through uh, essentially astrology um, on how on how we actually get the date, on how we actually determine when Easter is. It's a pagan holiday. Just as a quick review here, um, this is a little article I have about the uh, goddess. Uh, this was uh, by a guy named David Daniels from uh, Chick Publications, January, February 2007. It was entitled, You Probably Know This Woman. To the Az- Aztecs, she was known as Twazotel, Sorry, the goddess of filth, gambling, prostitution, and witchcraft, among other things. In the form, uh, she was also known as to the Aztecs as Cotelique. In the form of Cotelique, she was a virgin goddess who became pregnant. The son she bore was supposed to be the chief god of the Aztecs, reincarnated as a baby. She was a goddess of the moon and of the morning and the evening star Venus. People who spoke different languages called her by other names. Some of them are Hecate, Astarte, Aphrodite, Venus, Isis, Semiramis, and Ishtar, the fertility goddess, which is where we derive the word Easter. See, you have to understand, these are just pagan deities just repackaged for different uh, sects of um, society and humanity and different races and, and, and these types of things. It's just repackaged. Easter is the first Sunday after the new moon of another pagan holiday known as Ostara, which is um, usually um, March 21st or 22nd. So it's the first new moon after the pagan holiday of Ostara. So you have to determine it when the new moon is at. In other words, the date changes every single year. It can literally range a, a month time period. If it was the day that Jesus rose, how could it be changing all the time? That's a question. I mean, even Xmas is, at least it's the same day. But Easter, or Ishtar, as I like to call it, it can change up, to, it has a month range when it can change every I mean, should that alone be enough to kind of question things a little bit? <laughs> I mean, if God was resurrected on a certain day, it's going to never change, right? I mean, if you had a birthday, that's going to be the same day every single year. These are just things that, you know, nobody thinks about. The goddess, or not nobody, but, but most people that celebrate them. The goddess Ostara, for whom Easter is named, uh, Ostara as well as Easter is one of the Illuminati's high nights of human sacrifices as well. So, you know, this goes, this is the same thing. Um, in the Roman Catholic Church, she's known as the Virgin Mary. Okay, it's not the Mary of the Bible. It's the Mother Mary of Medjugorje, or the Lady of Lords, or all these, this apparition. It's the same thing, it's just repackaged in different religions. Um, then, I'll just read you this part too, just to, because it kind of goes along with this. Her son had many names as well. Some of them are Horus, Hippocrates, Mithras, Sol, Inviticus, Hercules, Attis, and Tammuz. What did these god babies have in common? Well, for one, they were all born on December 25th, which is where we derive the pagan celebration for Xmas from, which was originally known by the Romans as Saturnalia. December 21st through 22nd is the winter solstice, or Yule, meaning the shortest day of the year is the winter solstice. One of the Illuminati's high nights of human sacrifices Yule, when the sun begins its northward trek in the sky and the days begin to long, 
begin to grow longer. Um, in other words, they say it's the rebirth of the sun god. Why? Because the sun is starting to be in the sky longer now. Okay, so they believe it was the rebirth of the sun god, and that was Tammuz, or, or any of these other names that we have uh, that we can get into. Uh, since the sun had reversed itself and was now rising in the sky, pagans believed this was a sign that the human sacrifices carried out at Samhain, or Halloween, had been accepted by the gods. The Roman Catholic Church later changed the date of celebration to December 25th, calling it Christmas, or Xmas. Now, there's a whole tape you can go and watch. It's called America's Occult Holidays by Doc Marquis. It might be up on the internet if you do a keyword search up on YouTube. And... Um, you know, Roman Catholicism, all it is is a demonic blend of ancient pagan religions made to look like Christianity. So, just so you know, you know, that's where we, you know, this thing about Good Friday, if Jesus was crucified on Friday and he was three days and three nights in the grave, how could he have been resurrected on a Sunday? That's another thing you have to think about there. there I've seen articles out there, what's good about Good Friday? In other, in other words, just about everything that's celebrated in the modern day church, um, there's some pagan twist to it. There's some there's some way it's been tainted or 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 corrupted. So I'm sorry to, to burst your bubble if you thought this was a, a holy day. Now I also in this first um, thing here on the newsletter, I'm going to give you a link to the teaching I did on Easter Ishtar. Uh, paganism repackaged, and you can click on that link, and you can go up on YouTube and watch the whole thing. There's about 15 minute, 10 minute videos, because I've already done this study, and I don't want to rehash it. But I just figured I'd mention that, considering uh, you know we're in that particular uh, season, I guess you'd say. First article after this, we're going to get into, and I guess I should give you a table of contents for today. I didn't do that. The other articles that we will be looking at are Obama fulfills Islamic prophecy. Builds an altar to Satan to accept destiny. And then another one, the next article, Men Dressed as Women to Teach in Public Schools. Next one, New Field of Neutrogenomics. Reveals how and what you can eat to prevent future disease. And then stunning research shows high potential for DNA damage from nanoparticles. Another article, Regulated or Not, Nanofoods Coming to a Store Near You. Um, and then Abortion. Now, now is more important than parental rights. Next article, Mexican police forces turn to voodoo and blood sacrifices on full moons to win desperate battle against violent cartels. Next article, cops and CPS seize child from parents for mistrust in government. I've had a lot of people request to do a, a teaching on the CPS, Child Protective Services, so it seemed appropriate. Uh, we're going to be looking at Nancy Schaefer who exposes the corrupt business of the CPS. And then William Fain, shocking detail of, of Nancy Schaefer's death. She actually died, unfortunately, very recently. And the CPS sexual abuse cover-up. Uh, next article, Feds prepare to use anarchists to provoke Tea Party violence. Next article, the Boy Scouts and the Freemasons. And next article, Obama just got his private army. Uh, a warning regarding this Christopher Hudson, the, also known as the Forerunner, up on the uh, YouTube. His videos are very prevalent. And then a little clip we're going to be looking at regarding, look what's missing for pastors only, regarding the Bible that you may be reading. 
So, again, this ministry is basically here to warn as a watchman type of ministry. It's not a standard ministry like you would see. I never call myself a pastor. All I call myself is a, is a watchman, maybe a teacher. And we're here to warn you um, regarding verses like 2 Corinthians 2.11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Another big reason we do this is so that these are things that we can pray about. Um, for instance, this whole H1N1 swine flu debacle that almost took place had Big Brother, or whatever you want to call it, had their way during this. Um, we may still be under martial law right now if they were able to pull off some type of false flag pandemic. Well, if there's enough Bible-believing Christians praying about a given issue, if it's within, if it's if it's the Lord's will, I believe the Lord can, Lord's hand can be moved regarding a given situation and avert that situation. And this is one of the reasons we get into this stuff because we want to be able to pray about it. And also not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. The Bible says in Matthew 24, 24, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. And um, there's going to be a way, that, uh, one of the main ways that Satan's going to do this is through lying signs and wonders. And that's according to the Bible. So we're going to be seeing a lot more lying signs and wonders in the day and times we're moving into. Um, Ephesians 11, uh, 5, 11, 13 through 16 says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. See, light always exposes darkness, right? For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. This is why we warn about stuff. Because we want to walk circumspectly. What does that word mean? It means to be walk cautiously, with watchfulness of every way, with attention to guard against surprise or danger. That's how the Noah Webster 1828 Dictionary, which more accurately defines the words as they were written in the King James Bible, it more accurately defines them. Okay? Um... See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. If ever there was a time when the days were evil, it's now. That word reprove, it says, but we're to reprove the unfruitful works of darkness. What does that word mean? To blame, to convince a fault, or to make it manifest. To excite a sense of guilt. How do you make something manifest if you don't even know it exists? So, this is one of the, the purposes. There's a lot of different ministries that are out there that have a lot of different niches they fulfill. There's evangelists, there's teachers, there's preachers, there's this and there's that. And it should be where God will look down and look at the body of Christ and say, okay, he's a finger, he's an eye, you know, this and that. Everybody has their own uh, calling in the body of Christ. And the Bible says, can the finger say to the eye, depart of me, I have no need of you? So, this is one of the, this is my calling, and it's not everyone's. Um... But, just as a watchman, uh, this is what we're trying to accomplish here. We're trying to warn, the Bible talks about in Ezekiel 3 and 33, if the watchman see the sword coming to the city and warn not the city, then his blood will I require at the watchman's hands. So that's what I pretty much try to do on a weekly basis, whether it's current events, whether it's a particular subject, whether it's a biblical subject, that's what we, that's what um, I try to do. 
So, praise the Lord, I've been able to be put in this position, and um, I want to, you know, I thank my listeners for their prayers and their, you know, support, and um, I, I just praise the Lord Jesus Christ for for you. And I guess we'll just go ahead now, we'll get into our first article here. And uh, this one's entitled, Obama Fulfills Islamic Prophecy, Builds Altar to Satan to Accept Destiny. A final troubling disclosure at the conclusion of this entry may cast light on why Obama seemed fascinated with such anti-Christian symbolism in the lead-up to his election victory. A hadath, or a tradition, sacred to Shiite Islam, from the 17th century, contains a prophecy from Ali Ibn Abi Talib, which predicts that just before the return of the Imam Mahdi, which is the end times redeemer of Islam, and coincidentally is also who Maitreya says he is, devil Betraya of Sheridan International and Benjamin Krem fame, just before the return of Imam Mahdi, a tall black man will assume the reins of the government in the West. That's a quote. Okay, from this prophecy. The leader will command, quote, the strongest army on earth. I don't know if we could say that, though. I think China's got us beat. But anyway, the leader will command the strongest army on earth and will bear a, quote, clear sign from the third imam, uh, the name Hussein. The prophecy concludes that Shiites should have no doubt that he is with us, end of quote. Now, does this Islamic prophecy identify Obama as the, quote, promised warrior who comes to help the savior of the Shiite Muslims conquer the world. Amir Tahari asked this very question for Forbes magazine in October of 2008, pointing out how Obama's, how, quote, Obama's first and second names, Barack Hussein, means the blessing of Hussein in Arabic and in Persian. Now remember, according to this prophecy, uh, black man from the West, strongest army on earth, bear a clear sign from the third imam and his name evidently will have something to do with the name Hussein. Well, Barack Hussein Obama. My my sheriff here got in all kind of trouble because when he announced Obama, I mean, he literally announced him to come on stage here at our local, local, I don't know, civic center type of place. And uh, this was when he was in his campaign and, and he used his full name. Barack Hussein Obama. Oh, all kind of uproar. Oh, he's a racist and he's this and he's that. He just used his name. What's wrong with that? I actually sat down with that sheriff uh, for two hours regarding um, this whole H1N1 thing. Me and a couple other Christian brothers to warn him about what could be coming. And he was very receptive and he's been on my email list ever since. Great guy. I love this guy. I mean, he's, I don't know. He, he, he's just, it was very, very refreshing. Um, but anyway, yeah, he used, he invoked the full name of Barack Hussein Obama. And, you know, there was people calling for him to resign. I mean, why? Because he used his full name? Yeah, that's, that's why, evidently. So, this goes on to say, um, Barack Hussein means the blessing of Hussein in Arabic and Persian, while his family name, Obama, written in the Persian alphabet, reads Obama, which means he is with us. Now, if we leap forward to 2009, Barack Hussein Obama on June 4th gave an unprecedented speech to the Muslim world from Cairo, Egypt, declaring that he is launching a new era between the United States and the Muslim world. For the first time, Obama was 
forthright about his Muslim heritage and stated that the United States, which he is on record as saying is no longer a Christian nation, that the United States is now one of the greatest, one of the largest Muslim countries in the world. Newsweek editor Evan Thomas followed the president's speech with a declaration reflected in the opinion of many, quote, that Obama is standing above the country, above the world. He is a sort of God now. So anyway, I, and again, I'm going to give you all the links if you want to explore that the, this is just kind of the intro into this particular subject. But And I have brought this up before about him. Kind of an interesting thing that uh, we could be looking at there. Next article is Men Dressed as Women to Teach in Public Schools. This article starts out by saying, Do you want men dressed as women teaching your kids? Barack Obama and and, uh, Nancy Pelosi are trying to make this happen when Congress votes on the so-called Employment Non-Discrimination Act, or ENDA. The dangerous legislation would actually bring cross-dressing teachers into the classroom. Under ENDA, your children will be trapped in classes taught by drag queens and transgendered activists. This is a pro-lesbian, gay, bisexual, transsexual bill that will force every business with 15 or more employees to hire and affirm men who wear dresses and individuals who have undergone a complete or half sex change. This includes every school in America, and children will be victimized by these bizarre individuals. I mean, do you think we might want to pray about this? This is why I get into this stuff. Because you're not going to see this in the news. You're not going to see articles like this in the mainstream news. They're going to all be suppressed. This is why the Bible says that we can be destroyed for lack of knowledge according to Hosea 4.6. I mean, this is just unbelievable. Now, I would imagine, well, I don't know, I, I, I kind of wonder how much this would even affect private schools. But every business with 15 or more employees to hire and affirm men who wear dresses and individuals who have undergone complete or half-sex changes... See, they're going to put us in corners where we've got no choice but to take a stand one way or another. It might be through this, it might be through something else. But, um, you know, if you're going to stand on biblical principles and live your life that way, that is going to become increasingly harder and harder to do. Most likely. I mean, in in the day and times we're living in, Um, whether you're in America or whether you're in Europe or a lot of other countries, it's going to become most likely harder and harder to accomplish these things. The warning signs are all around us. Obama has forced socialized health care on us now, a taxpayer-funded abortions. He's bragged about how he will wear us all down so that he can achieve his extremist objectives. Isn't that what it kind of feels like? Like you're trying to wear us down? With all these things, and the Bible even makes reference in the book of Daniel that the Antichrist is going to wear down the saints. You know, he's going to have a time where he's allowed not to. We're more than overcomers through the Lord Jesus Christ. We can do all things through Christ which strengthen us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Okay? We need to always keep those type of verses, you know, in mind. And, and above all, taking up the shield of faith which is able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, according to Ephesians 6. So, these are the verses we want to keep in mind, and we want to commit um, positive scripture into memory, uh, because we are more than overcomers through the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, 
So the, we, we want to always have biblical balance when looking at these types of subjects and not get all depressed and down and, oh man, I, you know, I can't go on anymore. Um, when it's all said and done, the devil's going to be in the lake of fire with his fallen angels and unfortunately a whole lot of people. And his saints are going to be with him, you know, with the Lord. And so, ultimately, we are going to win. We are overcomers through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, but these are things that we can pray about. The Bible says to occupy till I come. We're supposed to be good soldiers, as the Bible talks about. We're supposed to reprove the unfruitful works of darkness, have no fellowship with them. And this is definitely an unfruitful work of darkness that we're talking about here. This goes on to say, the warning signs... Um, okay, we already said that. Last Friday, um, evidently Obama appointed a radical lesbian lawyer named Chai Feldblum, the author of this ENDA bill, to become a member of the powerful Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, or the EEOC. Feldblum is a vicious opponent of religious freedom and a longtime activist for the um, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender political agenda. She will use her authority to suppress li religious liberty. Obama knew that he couldn't get Felbum confirmed by the full Senate because of her bizarre views on marriage and religious liberty. So he pulled a fast one last Friday and made his recess appointment. Felbum will be Obama's ruthless enforcer of ENDA. TBC has launched the EndaHurts.com campaign to warn parents about the chaos Enda will bring into our children's classroom. Make no mistake, if Enda passes, children in the public schools will become the primary targets of the recruitment by these activists. A vote on Enda is expected in the House and Labor Committee on April 14th. A vote will take place in the House before the end of April. And then I give you the uh, links here to contact your legislators. Now, as always, I put up a PDF associated with the teaching that we're doing so that you can check all these things I'm talking about further. Uh, you can do your own research. And I don't tell everybody, you know, don't take my word for it. Check it out for yourself. Don't follow me. The Bible says, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and that maketh flesh his arms. Maketh flesh his arms and his heart departeth from the Lord. I don't want to, you know, this isn't about me developing a whole bunch of, quote, followers, as I've been accused of uh, by Ed Watson. Not, it's never been about that. And if, if anybody's listened to me, they would know that. Or making merchandise of men, another thing that, that I've been accused of. Like, I'm in this for the money. I walked away from my chiropractic career and, and you know, <laughs> and you're telling me I'm doing this for the money? I went to school for, I mean, a total of, you know, six years straight. At the end, I took no breaks for four years, a double load in the classroom, 25 credit hours a semester, still have tons of money in school loans, and I walked away from that so that I could devote myself full-time to the ministry. And praise the Lord, God put me in a position where I could do that. But... The crazy thing about it is what I've seen with accusatory people is that the very things they're guilty of, that'll be the very things they accuse you of. It's like the pot calling the kettle black. I've seen it over and over and over again, dealing with different ind individuals. And um, 
wolves in sheep's clothing, ministers of righteousness, or ministers of Satan that appear as ministers of righteousness. This is what is around us on every side. I mean, you've got the whole 501c3 church that we deal with, uh, where that is a very prevalent thing, not for every person, but, but for a lot of these pastors. They're truly hirelings. They're in it for the money. They have no true love for the sheep. The true shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. That's what the Bible says. So, it's very, very prevalent in today's day and time that we live in. And I don't have a great answer for people that email me all the time saying, what do I do? Where do I go? I do have in my forum, up on the internet, that you can go to. And, and um, if you've got any of my emails, I give the link to the forum. You can go to, and there's a section on there. Um... It's end times and current events. End times current events dot free forums, free forums dot org. End times current events dot free forums dot org. And there's a the first tab you can click on, and this is kind of a place that um, my listeners can go and network and, and chat and do whatever. And the first article is, uh, the first tab is who is in my region. And um, a lot of people can go up there and try to network and and see if there's a a good church or home church in their particular area. That's one option. Um, But it's getting harder and harder. And it's like God separating the remnant from a lot of the garbage that's going on in the world. And unfortunately, that's going to make the remnant, in some regards, to be more isolated. Because as the world gets more wicked and more evil, that's going to be a natural byproduct of what you're dealing with there. This next article is The New Field of Nutrigenomics. Reveals how and what you eat now can prevent future disease. Kansas State University researchers have joined a growing number of scientists who say a relatively new medical field known as nutrigenomics could change the future of public health forever. How? By tailoring strategies to prevent diseases before they can happen. Diseases that might otherwise be in a person's future because of his or her genetic makeup. The key is the revolutionary stop disease before it happens strategy isn't a drug, isn't a vaccine, or sophisticated gene therapy. Instead, it's eating specific foods. K-State researchers recently published an academic journal article on food technology outlining the potential for nutrigenomics, a field that studies the effects of food on gene expression. Simply put, scientists could eventually recommend specific foods for the individual based on his or her genetics that will prevent future diseases, especially those that tend to run in families, such as cancer, type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and even obesity. Well, I kind of want to give you my take on this as well, because this rings true to what I've been recommending for years, which is if you put 48-octane fuel in your car, or bad gas, how can your car run right? You know, it's cause and effect. Well, people in America, particularly, tend to put garbage in their bodies, sometimes every single meal, and they, then they wonder why they've got all these health problems and maladies. And yes, I do believe we can have a genetic predisposition. But you could have no genetic predisposition to heart disease, and if you eat garbage and trans fatty acids and let your liver get really gummed up, and let your triglycerides go through the roof, and let your C-reactive protein and your homocysteine levels and your LDL and HDL levels get way out of whack, 
Well, it doesn't matter if you don't have a genetic predisposition. You're probably going to develop plaque into the arteries, and eventually, you know, you're going to have a heart attack, most likely. If you get plaqued up enough, that's what's going to happen. So, while, yes, I do believe we can have a, a genetic predisposition, we can also, through the foods that we're eating, compensate for those things. And, you know, this is what I get into with customizing nutritional um, clinical nutritional supplemental regimes and these types of things. But you are what you eat. And if you're putting garbage into your body all the time, you cannot expect your body to run right. And this is just kind of confirming they're finally coming back to, you know, uh, how food can actually um, have something to do with gene expression. I mean, if your DNA and these types of things in your body, which you're trying to replicate properly, don't have the proper tools to replicate properly, they're, they're going to... Things are going to start breaking down. Aging will become accelerated. Disease processes start to become accelerated. And this is what happens. So, um, I've got a whole teaching that I've never, I've, I've done it at a conference once, but it got so big, the, the, uh, the Word document, that I just, it would, it would have been, if I were to try to cover this like in a church, it would have been like four or five days. Uh, and it's called Destroyed for Lack of Knowledge, What Your Doctor's Not Telling You. And it's a lot of information I I believe the Lord showed me regarding this particular subject. Kind of like general dietary guidelines, but also why are we in the shape that we're in. And I put a ton of work into this thing. But, you know, if you want it, just email me and I'll send it to you in a Word document. You can have it for free. And, and you know, it's, it's my kind of like not really... People a whole lot smarter than myself put a lot of this information together. And I've just gleaned. What I try to do is glean from this type of stuff. And um, I'll send it to you, and um, you can have that. Kind of, It's a good thing to be able to reference as well. And when you read it, you'll understand why we are in the shape that we're in and why heart disease and cancer are the number one and two killers in today's day and age. Whereas if you go back about 130 to 40 years ago, their prevalence rate was about a thousand percent less. And I mean that literally, and I can document that with actual statistics from um, that, have, that have documented those disease processes. And I'm going to kind of tell you why this has all happened and why it's happening. And I hate to say it, but also why it's all by design. This whole it's it's just part of the of the depopulation plan that the global elite have laid for us, that they've stated out in the Georgia Guidestones, which is where, it's like the Ten Commandments of the New World Order, it's up in Elbert County, Georgia. You can go see them, they're up there. Big, gigantic, granite stone monuments. And the first commandment is to reduce populate, world population to 500 million. You know, which we're approaching a 95% reduction, 90 to 95% reduction, with that kind of uh, population reduction. So, um, it varies, okay? I've heard anywhere from 60 to 95%, but suffice it to say, it's billions of people. So let's go further. Stunning research shows high potential for DNA damage from nanoparticles. Nanoparticles may be able to damage the DNA of cells without ever coming into contact with it. According to a study conducted by researchers from the Bristol Implant Research Center and published in the Journal of Natural 
nature, nanotechnology, nanoparticles are particles so small that they have a fundamentally different physical and chemical properties than the same substances do at more familiar scales. Industry is increasingly adopting nanotechnology for a variety of applications, from consumer products to medicine, but the technology remains unregulated. Researchers created particles of chromium and cobalt that were either 4 millions microscale or 30 billionths nanoscale of a meter across. And then he placed them on a thin artificial membrane composed of human cells. On the other side of the membrane, researchers placed human fibroblast cells, which are important components of connective tissue. They found that although no particles cross the cellular membrane, fibroblast cells placed across the metal particles, um, nanoparticles, suffered DNA damage in ten times as many locations and cells placed next to a membrane with nothing on the other side. So just because it's smaller doesn't mean it's better. Okay? And one of the things I see a lot with the, with the nano is the silver, the, uh, the, the colloidal silver. And they're touted, oh, it's smaller. The particle size is smaller, so it's better. Well, that's not necessarily the case. Um, so we've got to be careful with, um, with that. Here's another article. Regulated or not, nanofoods are coming to a store near you. For centuries, it was a cook and the heat of the fire that cajoled taste, texture, flavor, and aroma from the pot. Today, um, culinary voodoo is being crafted by white-coated scientists toiling in pristine labs, rearranging atoms into chemical particles never before seen. At last year's Institute of Food Technologists International Conference, nanotechnology was the topic that generated the most buzz among the 14,000 food scientists. Uh, chefs and manufacturers crammed into the Anaheim, California Hall. Though it's a word that has probably never been printed on any menu and probably never will, there was so much interest in, in the potential uses of nanotechnology for a food that a separate day-long session focused on just that subject. Now, again, let's... Um, well, I'll, I'll wait a second before we talk about the DNA aspect. In one corner of the convention center, a chemist... A flavorist and two food marketing specialists clustered around a large chart of the periodic table of elements. The food chemist from China ran her hands over the chart, pausing at different chemicals just long enough to say how a nano, nanoized version of each one would improve existing flavors and create new ones. One of the marketing guys questioned what would happen if the consumers found out. Flavorist asked whether the Food and Drug Administration would even allow nano-ingredients. Um... Posed a variation of the latter question, Dr. Jesse Goodman, the agency's chief scientist and deputy commissioner for science and public health, gave a revealing answer. He said he wasn't involved enough in how the FDA was handling nanomaterials and food to discuss that issue, and that the agency wouldn't provide anyone else to talk about it. This despite the fact that hundreds of peer-reviewed studies have shown that nanoparticles pose potential risks to human health. And more specifically, that when ingested can cause DNA damage that can prefigure cancer, heart disease, and brain disease. Why do you think, why do you think Satan's letting this, wanting this to happen? Well, what, what, what are we doing here? We're playing God. These people are playing God. Isn't that what we're seeing everywhere we turn around? Cloning, all of this genetically modifying of, of these GMO foods, genetically modified organism foods. They're splicing this seed with this seed and, and making all these Franken foods. Foods that are resistant to this. I love the Roundup Ready seeds. Those are great. 
where you know the plant grows and you can spray Roundup, which is one of the most toxic chemicals that you could ever use. Ah, we'll spray it right on the plant. It won't kill the plant now. It'll just kill the weeds. Roundup ready. That sounds natural to me. And a ton of what we're consuming in America, if you're not consuming organic products, is that. It's a proven fact that this is going to affect our DNA. Well, and I've said this before, but you notice an increasing theme that we keep seeing over and over again in these studies that we're doing is the defiling and the damaging of our DNA, which is what makes us, us, as humans. It's our genetic blueprint. And so, the Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And again, I've said this before, if you took a camera crew back to Noah's day, well, it was the biggest thing going on. Well, the sons of God saw the daughters of men, according to Genesis 6. He saw that they were fair, they took them wives all that they chose, and these wives bore these fallen angels, giants, because it says that, in those days there were giants in the land. And also after that, it says... And we have evidence of that when the Jews went into the promised land and there were giants in the earth, and that was after the flood. But as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Well, what was Satan trying to accomplish through these fallen angels procreating with human women? He was attempting to destroy and to corrupt the seed of mankind. By corrupting our DNA, that's another way that they can go after, even though I know... um, it's not a corrupt, corrupting us from birth, but then again, if a mother's eating this DNA-tainted garbage, the baby is going to be affected by it as well. And this is the whole goal of all of this. It's defiling humanity, body, soul, and spirit. These vaccines that we can potentially take in, you know, they've got foreign DNA in the vaccines, self-admitted. They're growing these vaccines off aborted babies is one of the main things they use. Human diploid cells. Check it out in the PDF. I've listed 13 vaccines on my on my avian flu presentation, and you can go check it out. It says they're grown off human diploid cells. It's a nice nice way of saying aborted babies. And then you get that injected into your body. Hmm. I wonder if that could affect me spiritually as well as physically. You know what? I don't really want to take a chance. It sure couldn't help. Talk about something cursed injecting it right into your bloodstream. Or you could grow it off green, Reese's, monkeys, diseased kidneys. Or chicken embryos. The, the list goes on and on. And then all the other garbage they put in the vaccines. Who knows what else they're putting in the vaccines. They've got technology. Now, I don't know if, I've talked all about this in times, recent teachings. They've got Hitachi's got a microchip dust they could put in. Way, you can't even see it with the human eye. They're so small. There were some reports that they were using, um, potentially going to insert uh, the uh, microchips at the end of the vaccine needle, at the end of quality control. I don't know, but I don't want to take no chance on that. So, Satan is using these industries to try to defile humanity to the maximum. Because the more humanity becomes defiled, body, soul, and spirit, the easier it is for him to make his arrival. And for people to be deluded and deceived. And to be literally infested and implanted with demons and devils. 
because that's part of the package. I mean, there is a demonic component to all this garbage that we're talking about, about how humanity is being defiled. It even uh, makes note of that in the book of Enoch. That the giants sinned against the birds and the beasts and the fish and the animals, everything. Why? Because Satan is always going to try to defile God's creation. The seeds we're supposed to bring forth after our own kind. That's what the Bible is very clear on in Genesis. Okay? Corn plant's supposed to bring after a corn plant. But, you know, or a human's supposed to bring after a human. And this is why when a fallen angel mates with a human, it's not right. It's wrong. The Bible talks about it in the book of Jude that they left their first estate and they went after strange flesh as those did in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. He equates what the fallen angels did exactly to what the gays did in Sodom and Gomorrah. They went after strange flesh. What does that mean? It means men were burning after men. Women after women. That's strange flesh. It's, it should not be that way. But that's what happened. And that's what is happening. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Well, that's pretty much where we're at right now. We're in the end times. We're moving into you know, this end time period. So we should be on the lookout for this. This shouldn't be a surprise. Actually, what it should do, in some ways, is increase our faith because it's confirming what the Bible said is going to happen. And again, as I've said before, I know this is the same teaching that Benny Hinn and Joel Osteen and Creflo Give Me a Dollar, they're all doing the same teaching today. I just wanted to let everyone know because they, they want everybody to know, you know, about this type of stuff. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. No, they would never get into this stuff. And the thing is, is I'm not saying that every preacher should key on this constantly. This is my calling as a watchman to get into this type of information. But there should be some warnings going on in the church regarding some of these things that we're talking about. So that we're not destroyed for lack of knowledge. So that we're not ignorant of Satan's devices lest he get an advantage of us. I mean... Not knowing this, do you think it might potentially harm you? If somebody gives you a poison glass of orange juice, and you're a born-again Christian, and you drink the poison glass of orange juice, barring God saving you, you're going to die or get sick. Haven't you just been potentially destroyed for lack of knowledge by doing so? There's, there's di- In other words, there's different ways we can be destroyed for lack of knowledge. The main way is rejecting the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, his blood that he shed on the cross to save our souls and pay our sin debt. That's the main way. But there's other ways as well. So, going further, it says, officially the FDA says there aren't any nano-containing food products currently sold in the United States. Not true, say some of the agency's own safety experts. Pointing to the scientific studies published in food science journals, reports from foreign safety agencies and discussions and gatherings like the Institute of Food Technologists conferences. In fact, the arrival of nanomaterial onto the food scene is already causing some big chain safety managers to demand greater scrutiny of what they're being offered, especially with imported food and beverages. At a conference in Seattle last year hosted by leading food safety attorney Bill Marler, Marler, Presenters raised the issue of how hard it is for the large supermarket companies to know precisely what they are purchasing, especially with nanomaterials, because of the volume and the variety that they deal in.
And, you know, I, I think also, you know, you need to say your blessing over your food because you don't know what you could potentially be taking. And that's not the only reason the Bible says we should do this, that the food is sanctified through prayer. Okay, I believe it's like 1 Timothy 4.2 or 3, they talk about that. Um, and if you got your hat on, take your hat off if you're a man. Because the Bible says we're not, men are not supposed to pray with their head covered. Okay, so that's another thing to, to think about. And that's why a lot of times these old movies, you'll see if they pray, they always remove their hat. Well, that's a biblical thing to do. Okay, just so you know, it may seem like a trivial thing, but in God's eyes, I don't think it's trivial, because it is in the Word of God. The other thing I've got listed here is a, just a little ad for this book. This is from uh, Raiders News Network. I mean, I don't make any money off any of this stuff, just so you know. I, I just put it out there um, so that you can you can have it. And um, Oh, that was another thing I was accused of by Watson, that I'm a hawker of silver. Hawker. Yes, Hawker. The silver that I recommend, number one, is not my company. It's a company I believe the Lord Jesus Christ led me to a long time ago when I was at a conference. When I was speaking at a independent, fundamental, non-501c3 church conference. A long time ago. And I had three people come up to me on break tell me, telling me about this particular silver. And I'd never even heard of it. I was using a low-potency silver that I really never seen that great of results with. And it was amazing because these three people didn't come together. And as far as I know, um, they were independent of one another. From what I can remember. One of them was an MD, one of them was a veterinarian, one was just a normal person. And they told me these amazing things they saw with this particular product they used. And they said, you ought to check it out. Well, I did. And since the thing that got me into alternative healthcare was a poorly functioning immune system, Primarily, uh, I noticed a really big change in my my own health, immune system, by taking this product. And I've been a big believer in it ever since, and I've recommended it to a lot of people. Um, This silver, if you compare it to whatever is sold in a health food store, which is typically, let's say, 10 parts per million, a 5,000 parts per million bottle is equivalent to 500 bottles of what you would particularly, of, of a 504 ounce bottles of a 10 part per million solution that you would buy in a health food store. And I mean that literally. It's equivalent to 500 4 ounce 10 part per million bottles, one 5,000 part per million bottle that I recommend. That would be equivalent, if you pay, on average, $20 per bottle, that would be equivalent to $10,000 worth of colloidal silver that you could buy in a health food store. And I am selling overpriced silver, according to him? Do the math. It's one of the best values on the planet. And it also has a shelf life that they think could be 100 years. They've never had a bottle go bad. People ask me, what's the shelf life? Well, I don't know. No, bottles never went bad. Right now, they've got on their 20, 2024 is the expiration date. I believe that's what it is. Pull a bottle off there, Taylor. 2024, I'm pretty sure. is, is But they got they have to just do that for FDA purposes. Um, yeah, it expires 2024. I'm, I'm reading right off the, the bottle. So that was another thing I was 
I was accused of. And again, it's not my company. And that website that I've got up, dr-johnson.com, which is the website for it, dr-johnson.com, the, the company put that up for me when I went on tour in 2006 because I didn't want to deal with orders. I didn't want to deal with, with all of that stuff. So they put up a website for me I could refer people to. So, you know, God knows your heart about stuff. And, and normally I wouldn't even be mentioning this stuff. But I think sometimes you do have to address certain issues that have been leveled against you. Um, you know, normally I wouldn't even bother. But, you know, it gets to a point where, you know, sometimes the Lord can convict you about, okay, listen, just say something about this, get, you know, so so that we're all clear, maybe we're all on the same page regarding a given matter. And, um, ultimately, the Lord needs to defend us. Ultimately, that's where we get our best defense from, is the Lord. Um, let's go further. This little, um... I guess it's a DVD. It's called The World According to Monsanto. Monsanto's controversial past combines some of the most toxic products ever sold with misleading reports, pressure tactics, collusion, and attempted corruption. They now race to a genetically engineer and patent the world's food supply, which profoundly threatens our health, environment, and economy. Combining secret documents with the first-hand accounts by victims, scientists, and politicians, this widely praised film exposes why Monsanto has become the world's poster child for malignant corporate influence in government and technology. It's one of the most wicked, wicked, evil companies on the planet. So, they're the ones that bring us NutraSweet as well. Which is so toxic that if you work with it in a factory, you have to have a full chemical suit on. And a lot of times you'll still die. Just from what little you're going to get through the... Uh, respirators that you're breathing through. Man, if the truth was really known by all of us, we would all be so horrified. I don't know if we'll be revealed that when we get up to heaven as a Christian. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much will matter then, but, you know, i got to believe that, that we're going to be shown how we've been deceived, most likely. I mean, I, I think that that might be something that... But, but I'm not God, so I can't say for sure, but... In today's day and age, there has never... The Bible talks about in Daniel that many will run to and fro seeking knowledge. It also talks about in the uh, book of Amos, where many will run to and fro seeking the words of God and they will not find it. Well, in today's day and age, that's definitely the case because most people have their false Bibles. You know, derived from some from the 1881 Revised Version of Westcott and Hort, who translated that off two corrupt Catholic manuscripts. The Sinaiticus and the Vaticanus. Many are running to and fro seeking the words of God. And then you got your new Bible translations coming out every other week. And they're all copywritten so they can make more money off them. Whereas the King James Bible is the only Bible on the planet that's not copywritten. Now I understand there's an argument that it is copywritten in Britain, but the rest of the world it's not. Many are running to and fro seeking the words of God and they're not finding them. Many are running to and fro seeking knowledge. But there's a lot of knowledge out there, but most of the knowledge is deceptive knowledge. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's that it's good and true. It's not from the wisdom of God. There's a ton of garbage out there. So we have to try to glean through things, and, and one of the ways that we do this is we compare it 
with what the Word of God says, if that can be done in a given particular thing that we're, we're learning about. And then you see if it rings true. If it's something that's moving you away from the Word of God, then it's not from God. And if you hear a prophecy that doesn't line up with the Word of God, then they didn't hear it from God. Easy enough. Just use the Bible, the King James Bible as your standard in, in the English language. Use that as your standard. Don't use me as your standard. Don't use any man or any woman as your standard. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Jeremiah 17.5 Don't trust your heart for sure. Why? Because the Bible says, He who trusteth his own, trusteth his own heart is a fool. Proverbs 28.26 The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17.9 But the world says, trust your heart. Yeah, exactly. The devil says, trust your heart. That'll get you straight to hell. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14.12 and 16.25 They seem right unto a man. You know? There's a Bible verse that also says, All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. We can go around, oh, I'm not that bad of a person. I'm not, you know, even as a Christian, it's it's easy to slip into that. I'm better than that. Man, you don't want to get into that. Pride goeth before fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. We need to consider the pit from whence we are dug from. All of us, and I believe every day. Because pride is an abomination before God. I praise the Lord for the Lord Jesus Christ for Him saving my wretched soul. I know apart from Him all I deserve is death and hell. You know. (laughs) The Bible says, For we are all together as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness is as a filthy rag. And we do all together doth fade as doth a leaf. Apart from Jesus Christ, our best day is a filthy rag. No matter how good you think you may be. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For years say, by grace, through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not about works. It's not about you being a good person. It's a gift. You either freely receive or you freely reject. And that was Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Anyway, I've done a whole teaching on salvation. And um, if you're on my email list, you'll see the link there. Um, We're still trying to get the website, and I do apologize. I'm just still dealing with so much with not only my mom, but my dad's uh, affairs and and death and everything that goes along with with dealing with all their possessions. They had a ton of stuff, and, and I've can't tell you how much I've given away <laughs> and I'm just trying to be a good steward of whatever has been left behind a ton of it's went in the trash I just found another stash of booze the other day I dumped out <laughs> my word I don't want that stuff under my roof they don't call it spirits for nothing Ever think about that spirits whiskey it and my mom would always tell me she said when your dad drank gin He turned into a totally different person. Certain liquors will affect different people different ways. Now, I never really got into that, even when I was unsaved, getting into like different whiskeys and how that would affect. I never really got into that. The stuff tasted so rank that I never even really, you know, 
got into the whole, oh, I like this or I like that. But, um, not to say I wasn't a total heathen, though, but um, it was funny because she said that, I believe it was gin. My, my dad just got violent on gin. You know, Not to say he drank that. He wasn't a drunk. But when he did get drunk, if, if he got around it, it would, it would really affect him. And I really do literally believe there's different spirits associated with different, um, particularly liquors, you know, because they're so much, they're so strong. Not to say it couldn't be with beer and those types of things as well. Um, but anyway, just something to contemplate. And if you got that stuff in your house, get rid of it. Dump it down the drain, get rid of it. You don't know how a cursed object may enter into your house. You know, you just never know how that might be affecting you. I'm always so relieved when I get rid of this stuff. I've gotten rid of garbage cans and garbage cans and garbage cans and stuff. Stuff my mom had that was new age or or even CDs and things like that. You know? You you, You just don't know. I just prefer to err on the side of safety. Um... Okay, let's go ahead and stop there, and I'm going to go to part two next here. May the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.